0: In a world where very few people embrace their global identity and seek to understand their neighbors, cross-cultural expert Tayo Roxon is on a mission to bridge this divide. Each week, he'll open your mind with insights from some of the global minds in the world. Get ready. Take some notes and learn how to be the best you that you can be. Welcome everybody to another episode of Asked Told by Nomads. And today's episode is with a three-timer, Lena Bisakawian. And if you remember her, she's uh, done a solo episode where she discussed the benefits of being multilingual and also some tips on how you can actually pick up new languages. She also uh, did the intro podcast with us, where she talked about her career, how she she 's awesome with with languages, diplomacy, and martial arts and now she 's back on again because she 's doing something exciting she 's in Brussels working with the European Parliament and we 're going to talk about the uh, Parliament and how that affects the world from a policy standpoint, and basically, this is going to be a learning experience for me as well because i don 't know a lot about the Parliament. Welcome to the show, Lena
1: thanks, to. Good to be back.
0: Glad to have you back. Uh, why don't you catch us up on what you've been? The last time we talked, I believe you were in uh, you were in college, and uh, since then, you've wrapped up your classes, right? Uh,
1: well, I'm actually due to graduate in April, and I'm currently in Brussels in Belgium, for my last semester, interning at the European Parliament hmm. and uh, traveling around Europe, uh, seeing a bunch of different countries, and doing some exploring. And it's just a fantastic experience so far.
0: So what has been your favorite place to visit so far as you tour in Europe?
1: Oh, what a tough question. <laughs> uh, honestly, each place has its own type of charm. So Come on, I Linda. don't really know if I can narrow it down. Ah. It's a really tough question to ask a global nomad. You know, we're comfortable just about anywhere. Okay,
0: fine, fine, fine. Um, what, what has been the... the no, I, can I ask the most beautiful place that you've seen? At least like the most... Um, I don't know, maybe you saw a museum that you, that you resonated with. Because I see your pictures on Facebook and I, you know, I can't imagine that... Um... Of
1: course. <laughs> yes. Well, um, we walked up onto this tower in ghent in belgium and it's just this really tall church tower overlooking the city Mm. and it was really it was very spiritual honestly uh to me even though i'm not necessarily a spiritual person but just the view it just looked like something out of a storybook and it was amazing and fascinating and it's just an honor to be here honestly
0: uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll uh, stay off the torturous questions, but <laughs> uh, let's talk about what you're doing over there now. Um, that's what
1: I'm here for.
0: Let's <laughs> talk about what you're doing there. What do what you uh, – you said you're interning with the European Parliament. What's your responsibility there?
1: So I'm currently working uh, in the office of a member of parliament uh, of the Czech Republic, Mr. Miroslav Poghev. And uh, I ended up here completely randomly, just by chance. I didn't choose the office or anything like that. But I have been extremely, extremely lucky to end up here because Mr. Poque is very, he's very young. He's 36, I believe, maybe a little older, but definitely one of the youngest members of parliament here. And... um, he's on some of the most important committees, including the Foreign Relations Committee, um, the ITER Committee, which is Industry and Research, and also some really interesting delegations, like the China delegation and the Ukraine delegation, which are both very pertinent at the moment, obviously. And so I've been working in the office uh, as a prepper and a briefer and a background researcher and really just anything that uh, comes up. The thing about Europe is, um, you know, back in my time in, in Congress, the offices were really huge so the staff was up to 20 people but here it's just four of us including the member so we really you know interns are not taken lightly and uh we definitely get a lot of work done
0: yeah, yeah. No, I, I can't. I can't even imagine because um, some of the things I was we were talking about pre-show was like what the whole process is like, you know what does the European Parliament do? You know what what's the legislative arm, and how does it affect the whole of European policies? And you know to hear you say that in your office there's only four people that that's 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 a that's a that's a little that was a little surprising for me to hear.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely a lot of responsibility for the people that are there. That's for sure.
0: Absolutely. So. So let's stay on that. What does the European Parliament do? What's the significance of the European Parliament? Um,
1: so the European Parliament is, um, I guess, compared a lot of the time to Congress because it is, it is a type of lawmaking body, but it's actually pretty different from Congress in that it can't actually – Initiate The legislation it just uh, Proposes amendments and votes on Legislation but it doesn't actually initiate it that Actually comes from a separate branch So the parliament is the representative Body of the parliament uh, I'm sorry of the European um, Kind of institutions Mm. which means the Elected representatives come from all 28 member countries or I guess soon to be 27 member countries Um, And um, So it's basically just the Representative part of the democracy here In Europe
0: and, and then when you say here in Europe, you're talking—is that every single country in Europe, or are there some countries they have to apply for yes. membership? Wow. Okay. Uh,
1: well, I mean, this is actually part of the European Union. Um, so, just the countries that are actually part of the European Union, part of the official Western European tradition, I guess. Uh, yeah, they are all represented here in Parliament, and yeah. uh, there are many political groups. There are seven, actually, compared to the you know two political groups in the states. So, it's a lot more chaotic. <laughs> and a lot more rowdy, but definitely, I think, a lot more interesting to work in, for sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, that that was kind of what I was I was thinking, because I, I know not every country, you know, people countries still apply to be in the EU, but um, the European Parliament represents those countries in the EU, not necessarily the country still applying to be in the EU.
1: Right, yes. so they would yeah. have to be full members.
0: Gotcha. Um, you mentioned rowdy. I've, I've watched... Uh, a bit of those rowdiness play out on YouTube sometimes when uh, uh, interest and policies come into play. And I try to compare it to Congress here and um, you know uh, the House of Representatives back home in Nigeria. And there's definitely more similarity with the Nigerian and the European Union versus uh, the Americans. Americans seem to be a little bit more um tamer sometimes w- why do you think it's, it's it gets rowdy sometimes uh in the european parliaments when they have interest in uh, discussions
1: well i think it's just the sheer numbers of people you know mm. i mean there are 100 members uh in the senate and there are 435 members i believe in the house and mm. here we have a whopping 736 members 700. so Sheesh. you know yeah so it's um i think it, it fluctuates based on uh different factors such as population and just seats that are available but uh basically it's almost double the size of the entirety of congress put together wow so <laughs> i mean it's huge and the fact that there are seven political groups instead of you know the usual two back in the states and everything is conducted in all 23 official european languages so well, that what? adds another layer of complexity. It's in, where's the time to do all that? (laughs) Well, there are headphones and you put in the headphones and you switch to your language of choice. So as you can imagine, I've had a lot of fun switching back and forth in different languages and listening to the different debates.
0: (laughs) Wow. That's same. You speak what? Six languages? Five to six languages? So you probably just go back and forth and just have fun.
1: Sometimes. Yeah. Yep. That's sometimes what I do when I get (laughs) off task. I switch back between the languages to see how much I can understand.
0: <laughs> um, that, that's, that's so fun. Um, another thing that happens sometimes is, is you know, we you you have world leaders visiting, and recently we had the, the darling of the world, apparently, uh, Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, uh, visits the EU, and he was addressing, you know, the, the EU, and he mentioned a statement that I found pretty profound. He said, the world benefits from a strong EU. I'm very curious to hear your opinion as you're working there right now. Do you agree with that sentiment or disagree?
1: Well, to be honest with you, I do see the value and I do agree in the power in numbers. And I think that having a larger conglomerate of countries definitely gives it more bargaining power. Uh, and But it depends on what you mean by better, because one of the downsides of having such a grouping is the free rider issue, obviously, because, you know, some of the countries are smaller than others and some of the countries are larger. So there's always this sense that um, the smaller countries are kind of piggybacking off the benefits of the larger countries. And uh, there's some stigma with that. And um, but I really do think that overall, each country really does have its very strong nationalistic voice, and I think that's very important. It's very powerful. And just being here, I can say that the EU as a whole, I I frankly, I can't even imagine what Europe would be like without it. So if that says anything.
0: No, it does. But then, you know, you 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 just said that. But there are some countries that do imagine that they can do well with, without the EU. And one of them, you just said, you know, 28 now, soon to be 27, was, you know, Great Britain. And they had Brexit, right? Well... I guess for those that don't understand yet, you know, people hear Brexit all the time, but I don't know that everybody really understands the pros and cons. Why does England, or Great Britain rather, want to leave the EU?
1: Well, uh, I think it's pretty complex, but just to generalize, I guess, uh, yeah. similar to what I just said, the larger countries really do feel that they're being taken advantage of and that they're piggybacking. Uh, The smaller countries are piggybacking off of them so in britain's example uh the more right-wing conservative movement uh basically brought up this issue that um you know we think that britain could negotiate and broker deals with uh, other countries by itself and get the same if not more benefits and better deals and so if that's the case then why why are we you know in this collective group where we're really doing a favor to some other countries with just having our name on the list next to theirs. And we're perfectly capable of just standing on our own. So that was the main question. And, uh, that was, that was answered, I guess, by the British yeah. people in the referendum.
0: And, and it's funny after the referendum, you, you see a lot of people that, you know, some of them didn't vote. They really do not like this because they feel like it's, uh, it's too isolated. I oh gosh, how do I say it? Isolationist. Isolationist, yep. <laughs> Isolationist in, in the yep, world. Yep, and the, yep. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know, I tend to agree with that mindset. Just, I think a lot more can be done. I, I see the benefit of the EU. I mean, even traveling there, you can see like the Schengen area where you can travel with one visa to many countries, and having to go through the complexities. And now, you know, banks sure. banks relocating, and you know the and the anti-immigrant stance that it's implicitly okay. saying. I'm very curious, though, as you, you you're, you know, you, you're there what you think uh do you agree with the pro leave EU or the uh um the, the stay in EU uh, stance
1: Well as i said uh Power in numbers is always a strong stance to take, but at the same time, it really depends whose perspective you're looking from, right? So from Great Britain's perspective, they've always been a major player in the EU, and they've really made a name for themselves um, on the world stage. You know, they're a known country, uh, they're very much respected, and their system of governance is, is quite, you know, up to par and everyone kind of models themselves after that type of government and western government and so for them I, I understand where that idea came from but as far as how the effects will pan out and whether that'll be worth it i think it's just a, a fact of waiting and seeing because this has never happened before there have been countries that joined the eu but this is the first time that article 50 uh was triggered and article 50 allows for the withdrawal of a member so it was there as a safeguard but really i mean nobody was expecting to to have to use that
0: nobody thought that at all for sure um okay so let's talk about the uh the the problem structure You, you mentioned that there are certain seats given to certain countries which country has the most seats
1: so Germany, of course, uh, being, you know, a very large, very powerful player. And uh, obviously, so the number of seats does matter. But I really feel that it's also by political party is really how it's uh, how it's seen here, because by country, it's it's not always as important, interestingly enough.
0: Why is that? Wait, wow. So, wow, how come?
1: So it's it's basically people really associate themselves with political parties. And, uh, you know, even when we go to lunch here, when I'm introduced to people and I just assume, you know, they're Czech because, well, my office is Czech. And uh, they're not. They're just from the same political party because uh, they, they cohese over the same issues. They, uh, you know have the same stances so obviously representatives of different countries do you know collaborate and talk to each other but uh i think really the the cohesion comes from political party ironically so then when
0: you say there's seven political parties what do these parties represent What, what are their policies what what are they normally known for
1: So, I mean, I think it's very similar to the states, except maybe perhaps each one is a little more nuanced Mm -hmm. um, because there are so many of them. But I mean, it's the same basic understanding. There are some more liberal parties. There are green parties. There are borderline fascist parties. Um, It's really all over the spectrum, but uh, just similar to the states, uh, different political parties representing different sides of the spectrum, different interests, perhaps centered around a specific issue like the greens, you know, centered around green energy and energy issues so it's it 's really not quite a different uh system
0: yeah and and, and the reason I was asking is because you know the reason why I said e u and Nigeria is something that i, I a little I resonate with a little bit is because we have multi multiple parties in Nigeria, and we have sometimes up to ten uh, depending on the election and it's uh, you never can tell i can 't really tell is conservative or liberal just because each party it's the structure that at least in nigeria is just for like is centered around that personality but in in europe it's a little different where like you said there's a conservative and then there's moderate conservative and then there's like not as moderate conservative and then there's a liberal and the same thing and then right said, exactly said...
1: and i mean i could go in depth uh, about yeah. each political party but i just don't think that's very relevant uh the main gist of it is that political parties really cohesed together and i think it's beautiful that you know they're all different nationalities they're all different countries but uh, they have the same political views and that's what brings them together okay okay
0: um okay so as far as as far as the the parliament structure is is set up how does that compare with the american congress
1: so again the u.s has two chambers uh and the MEP is just one chamber MEPs all sit members of European Parliament are called MEPs sorry for the jargon there um but yeah it's just one huge conglomerate it's not divided up in any way besides political parties um I guess that's the, that's the largest difference of structure
0: no I mean, I mean yeah it's just the two party and the larger and then there's the size obviously as well as the um um just the sheer you don't translate 28 different languages uh (laughs) when you're when you're uh, on the on the floor there but um okay and i think everything's done conducted in english here if i'm not mistaken
1: yeah it is and uh i mean here the the official languages are english and french but they're officially conducted in 23 different languages uh it's very similar to the un actually back when i was in the un uh very similar vibe translators sitting all around the room uh, in a circle, and you have the little headset, put on the headset, tune into right. your language of choice and then everyone 's included
0: yeah right. Bram well, allow me to to share this uh, this opportunity with the listeners, if you will, Lena, so I know that you travel a lot, uh, Lena, so you might be interested in having a luggage of choice, so away the guys that are away are very, very uh, gracious and and um, helpful to the the as told by Nomads audience because they they, you know, they've agreed to actually give $20 off a suitcase. And the reason why a weighs is different is because it's not only um, a carry on, but it's one that allows you to charge your phone. You know, it comes in medium, large, and extended stay sizes. And, the, you know, the, the interior has a compression system that. Allows people like myself, who are overpackers, to to have that smooth ride and not worry about forgetting every other thing or leaving something behind. And um, it's a hundred day free trial. If you if you're not interested in it, but if you want to see if you vibe with it and you can travel with it, or if it's something worthy of your Instagram pages, you should check it out. And it's uh, awaytravel dot com forward slash nomads for Stored By Nomads listeners. And once again, the promo code is nomads, and the URL is. WWW.AwayTravel.com slash nomads. Uh, welcome back, uh, Lena. So, the, the, the um, interesting thing that I've, I've heard from you, basically, with the differences, is, is that it's a multi party system. There's mo- different languages. Every country represented in the EU is also represented, um, you know, represented in the parliament. You also talked about the legislative arm, about the the European Parliament. Are there other branches? How do the other branches work? The executive and the judiciary. How does those How do those work?
1: Uh, sure. So I mean, it's not very similar in that sense. In the executive and judiciary, the, the, those are separate entities from the parliament. They yeah. uh, obviously they do interact, but they don't have very much to do with each other. Mm. Um, the other two main legislative bodies, however, are the European Commission, which is actually has the power that our Congress has to actually put forward laws, draft laws and and put them forward and up for a vote um, by Parliament. so the commission is definitely the other big one. and then there's also the European Council, which uh, is not by representative per se um but by country. so each country is represented. Um, under their country name so to speak we we don't really call it by individual name individual politicians as you would in parliament so those three legislative bodies kind of work together to draft laws and edit laws and uh, pass laws and they all have different roles in that
0: oh, no that, and that's fascinating and have there been any major rules besides you know i know currency is the only thing i mean the only thing i can think of recently was when People voted on whether they were going to use euros, right? But are there are there other types of things that do get voted on that affect significantly how you move? Well,
1: really, yeah, of yeah. course, a lot of a lot of things. Uh, d- just laws that are um, supposed to be enforced by all member states are passed here, mm-hmm. so obviously, different laws affect different countries differently. So that's important to understand, because one law that may not have much of an effect on a very large country would have a significant impact on a country that's perhaps smaller or depends on that particular sector, you know, if if it's a tariff or a tax, especially. So yeah, of course, um, you know, the voting that happens here uh, affects things that happen around the world every day. And it's definitely something that is seen and felt and very much a part of the city.
0: And to stay on that, there's an interesting, you know, we've seen the recent uh, refugee uh, crisis happening in Syria and other countries of the like that are experiencing similar things where refugees are, are leaving the countries. Does that also get voted on? Like, which country accepts what? Or is that an individual thing?
1: Uh, well, there, there is legislation that um, in terms of just the general regulation of borders Of course, uh, immigration, migration, things like that, yes, that are enforceable across Mm. the EU. Uh, Of course, uh, you know, single states can pass their own legislation, but uh, they always do have to retain a certain standard that allows them to, you know, remain an EU country and kind of represent what that represents as a whole. So it's kind of a tricky line to balance, right? Because each country is sovereign and technically has its own rights to pass laws and govern its people. But at the same time, it's part of a bigger picture. It's part of a bigger jigsaw puzzle. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's all about straddling that line.
0: Yeah, and another thing that I will add, and you feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't believe the EU has a unified military as the Congress does, as, as sorry as America does. No. So okay, so there's no, no unified um, military arm, and uh, each nation has its own constitution still. Uh, but there's sort of right. that independence. And, I mean, I've got to say, I don't know, Lena, and listen to you. I I, I, I like the parliamentary system because of the multiple party and and changing coalitions, but. The only reason that I'm even saying that is because I think it makes for a more diverse debate on issues. Uh, that-
1: and I agree. I agree. Definitely. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm telling you, it's just fascinating, I guess, because another thing is in the States, you know, being from different states is not that big of a deal. I mean, I, I know that different parts of our country have different specific uh, cultural aspects that come with them, of course. But the, these are actual different countries, mm. you know, and. Just seeing that cultural vibe and different people, different cultures, speaking different languages with different interests, and it's just so eccentric, really. Yeah,
0: no, I completely agree. And and for those listening, if you're thinking of going to Europe, the reason why a lot of people can say, oh, I'm just taking a bus, I'm going to France, and I'll be back in Germany, and I'll go like – you know, it's because it almost seems like there's no – maybe I'm wrong again. There's no fixed border. Within, there's a Schengen zone. No,
1: not at all. Yeah. I mean, I was in a bus the other day and I honestly, I did not know which country I was in. <laughs> I was just going from country to country and suddenly I was in Germany and then I was in France. <laughs> and uh, my phone uh, tells me, you know, when I get into a new country and that I have coverage there. So every two minutes it was like, oh, welcome to Germany. And then 15 minutes later it was like, welcome to France. <laughs> and then another half hour later it was, welcome to Strasbourg. So, um, yeah.
0: Uh, no, it's, no, it's really that, something else. That's that's fascinating to me, and and, the, and you know the reason why know when we when you approached me about this topic and I um, was talking about it, I think it's so necessary just because as we become. This more digitalized and flatter world, I think it's important that we understand the countries that we interact with on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and see what it is that, that makes their day-to-day. So, you know, obviously grateful to you for coming on to explain this. I'm going to try and do a summary to see if I actually got everything you said. So I don't know if I'm going to get an A in this uh, test, Lena, but we'll see. All right. Well, <laughs> let's see. Yep, let's give it a shot. Okay. So there are 28 member nations and about to be 27. Is that that right? I think there are at least twenty-three different languages spoken in this. Twenty-three.
1: That's correct. Officially, yes.
0: Okay. 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 Cool. And and then one of the biggest differences is that uh, um, you know, with the EU, there's multiple parties and the the United States Congress. Is dual. It's dual. Um, There's one army that represents the U.S. And that's not the case in, in the. E E, the EU and but then there's in the 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 European Parliament has the ability to do some legislative stuff but they can't like start it is that correct they can't um
1: well the European Parliament doesn't uh, initiate legislation that's just a different body called the European Commission yeah right that initiates the legislation makes the initial draft and sends it out right but the European Parliament does vote on it yeah so. They, they do have that ability.
0: They have that ability. And then and, and, um, obviously, oh, yeah, there's no executive. Is there an executive branch? That's a different thing? I forgot to ask about that.
1: Uh, that's separate. That's not – basically, that's not where I'm working specifically. Yeah. Uh, it's it's not really an executive branch in the way that we see it, like a president, uh, because each, each – uh, kind of entity has its own president you know that's that's a joke that's a running joke in europe that there are so many presidents no one can keep track because there's a president of the parliament there's a president of the commission there's a president of the council and then there are even more vice presidents oh my goodness so goodness yes (laughs) so uh in that sense it's just everybody has its own president
0: yeah, well there you go. And those are the, and for lesser differences, I know Europe uses the metric system. Um and, you know, other things of less importance are like there's no national sports team or widely observed national holiday within the European Parliament. But um yeah, I think I think that's that's it's kind of what I got, you know. They the you know, you there are obviously important legislations like taxation and and immigration and um, other things like that that affect how you move and affect how expensive things are, and the impact of what's going to happen with Brexit is is something that none of us can actually. Talk. We shall see. We yeah, shall see. Exactly, none of us can actually talk to now, but there are certain, you know, some people are really happy and some people are very worried, and some. Well, don't. yeah.
1: <laughs> Definitely. And and I mean, the people here that are representing the UK or, for example, the judges that sit uh, the European Court of Justice, you know, they're losing their seats, uh, not because of anything they did, but just because, you know, their country is no longer part of the union. <laughs> so it's a shame for them, really. Yeah. I mean, I can't imagine being in that position.
0: Yeah, no, I can I can I can imagine it. I can imagine it all. But Ah, there, yeah, so there you go. The education of the European Parliament and some of the European Union by by Lena Bisquewa. Thank you so much but before before you go, I want to know what's next what what are you doing in Europe? what's going on what's the fun thing that you want to explore that you haven't explored and uh when are you coming back?
1: Well, I'm actually still in Europe for at least another three to four months. Um, traveling around, going to go to the Hague in the Netherlands next week, and going to Prague on a business trip with my uh, with my group to go uh, do some hopefully some local meetings with the mayor and people that are actually constituents because you know these people are voted um, by their local you know population so it's important to address them and stay in touch with them so that's going to be really interesting actually just kind of seeing the local aspect of what the members of parliament go through back home and how their constituent bases uh, you know sees them and interacts with them so that's going to be a, a whole new world
0: and what's going to be happening with Policy Pair? Would you be writing stuff? Or are you going to write a journal, share? Where can people find out stuff about you?
1: Yes, absolutely. I have been keeping a journal, religiously been keeping a journal, uh, just so I can keep track of everything that's been going on. And thankfully, I have my wonderful, wonderful interns that really, really help me stay on track and uh, write articles and publish things and get in touch with new writers so I'm really hoping to keep that up, and obviously we'll see what what happens. It's it's great to be able to do everything online nowadays, so that should be helpful. Yeah. But yeah. yeah.
0: Good, good, good. I, I I was I was on it uh, the day before Valentine's Day, yeah, which is the 13th. Why am I being so complicated? I was on it on the 13th, uh, <laughs> and I saw a great article on uh, Boko Haram, and for those that don't know what Boko Haram is, it's uh a militant uh Islamist group in Nigeria that, you know, sort of um sometimes sparks up uh issues in Nigeria. So I was I was really reading that with uh intense scrutiny because I'm always paying attention to anything that has to do with the insurgency in northeastern in Nigeria. So um, Of course definitely Yeah,
1: so our newest intern is from Nigeria actually. I had a chance to talk to him. And he wrote this article, and it was very insightful. He's written for a bunch of local Nigerian newspapers. Um, So it was really interesting to have his perspective um, in a way that wasn't as generalized as, as a lot of the news that we get about Nigeria is Um, Because I think it's lumped so much with just ISIS and and that entire, which, of course, it does have a piece from that. But I think it's an individual and also it's becoming more of like a very nationalist type of movement, or at least it's portrayed that way. And so just speaking to him and having his article on my website, it's been it's been really enlightening
0: yeah no absolutely and I will encourage listeners to to visit you know um dot com because it's not just about um you know one country it sort of looks at the world. From the global point of view, that we all should, and it breaks down different policies and how, um, and who the players are. And that, that's one of my favorite things that I, that I go on there. So, but there you go. Lena biscuit sending sending, uh, spending some time with us as she's in Europe, uh, interning at the European Parliament, breaking down what the Parliament is and how it affects the global world, but also keeping her, her full-time job of policy pair and just being a boss. So, uh,
1: Well, thank you so much for having me, Tayo. Pleasure. Hopefully talk again soon on air.
0: I have a feeling that that's going to happen. I don't know. It might just be a three-person podcast, but I don't know. We'll see.
1: We'll see. We'll see.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much, Leah. All right. Bye-bye.